0: Welcome back to Hi guys, Welcome back to our last episode of this political series where we're gonna dive into how you can make a difference at the individual level and then the local and national level. So this is kind of how we want to split it up. So now this is like the take action episode. But before we jump into everything, we wanted to introduce our guest, Mickey. Uh, Mickey, do you want to give like any information or anything about yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Mickey.
1: I'm from Northern New Jersey. Uh, I'm in. I'm a rising senior, and I want to become a pediatric neurosurgeon. I'm half black and half white, and I've been really involved in the Black Lives Matter movement over really the past few years. Ever since I was in about seventh grade. Um, lately, I've been speaking at a lot of protests, organizing protests. Um, I've been on youth panels with, with the attorney general and just doing whatever I can. I, every day I post things on Instagram to educate and inform people. Um, but I really am trying my best to further the movement in any way that I can.
2: We're really grateful to have Mickey joining us for this episode, so, like, we set it off recording, but I'd just like to say again, like, thank you, like, so, so much for joining us, like, you're, like, really inspirational, and, like, I'm just really happy that, like, we have your knowledge and expertise.
0: Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, Ally and I have both, like, called and emailed and signed petitions and all of that stuff, but... We haven't been as involved as we should, I think, and we haven't gone down to, like, the very, like, nitty-gritty parts, which is something that we've been trying to do, and hopefully with this episode, we'll also take some of the advice and get more involved.
2: So this episode's going to be a combination of, like, a question and answer style, like the last episode, um, but it's also going to be a more informative episode in the sense that, like, we're going to be focusing on, as you said, like, how to take action and like spread awareness and further educate yourself on black lives matter why it's important to take action um so yeah we're gonna start on the individual level um and both Priya and I thought like education is the first step usually you know I feel like although it's hard to acknowledge it's very ingrained in our society to be like inherently racist like there's a lot of things that a lot of us are taught from a young age that we don't see it as racist at the time. But like as you grow up, you kinda of learn that like our society is like inherently racist. Like we have this notion of like pretty privilege and like white privilege and trying to unlearn that is gonna take like a lifetime and it's important to start early so that, you know, you get out of the mindset and like kind of train yourself to like backpedal on the racist notions that you learn in your early ages. Um, so yeah, like, we decided to kind of compile a lot of the resources we found on Instagram and also through some of our readings, like, um, of different, like, books, films, podcasts that were really educational, and we're gonna link that in our episode bio.
0: Yeah, we did that just so you don't, like, sit here and listen to us regurgitate all of, like, the titles and everything, so we just want to compile that into a Google document and we'll link it down below.
2: And for Mickey, our first question about, like, education is how helpful do you think education is? And, like, where do you think is the best place to start?
1: Um, what I think is that education is the most important thing, especially for, um, for non-Black people like during this time because if you don't know what's going on there's nothing you can do to help right if you're if you're completely uneducated about something like you absolutely don't know where to start so i mean like i actually had an experience visiting my family recently and like some of my family members didn't know that racism still exists mind you they live in a in a rural town um on the West Coast of America, but it's just, it, it really, like, it blew my mind that there's still people who don't really understand that racism exists. So I tried to educate them and, like, give them things to read and to um, and to learn, but, like, coming from a point of just not knowing, there's still so many people out there who don't understand because they're not surrounded by a lot of diversity. So I definitely think that um, just listening to a black person's experience is a good idea picking up an anti-racist reading is a good idea really anything that you can and it doesn't have to be you don't have to sit there and read a book but you could you can still read an instagram post or something like that and that's still educating yourself
0: yeah, yeah i think like that makes personally sense. like i knew people were racist out there but i didn't realize it was like systemic until i started reading up things and that was something that like I wouldn't have known until, like, June this year unless I had that education.
2: I mean, for me, I think it's been, like, in the back of my mind, but, like, it's important to, like, keep reminding yourself that it's, like, an issue and it's going to continue being an issue until everybody makes, like, the effort to educate themselves and, as I said, like, kind of unlearn, you know, how systemic racism is affecting us you know what I mean
1: and I mean it's really tough because like the problem is that yes there's there's we all have biases in our minds like even as even as a black girl half black girl I do have biases in my mind like I might think that a black male is gonna if I'm in the elevator I might think a black male is gonna steal my bag rather than a white man standing there And that might be a bias I have in my mind, even though I am, you know, like I am black. But that's something that over time, like over generations, we're going to unlearn, at least if you if we actively make that effort. Yet because racism is systemic, that can't be just unlearned. There has to be like policies and all kinds of things that can turn that around, like in in our whole system, because it's completely ingrained in it
2: yeah I remember like last episode me and Priya were talking with Kayla and we were talking about how at our school like we like both Priya and I were friends with like a very certain bubble that and we're not really exposed to the people who are like like very openly racist so like after hearing experiences of people talking about how like people would openly say like the n-word in the hallway or like do the nazi salute while you're walking by we were like very horrified because you don't really like see the per you know what i mean like you don't acknowledge that that person is like doing those things like when you're seeing them because you don't know so you're kind of just like oh my classmate but then like when you hear these experiences it's like yeah it's
1: pretty bad yeah Yeah, our school definitely doesn't do enough to like, to make those people feel like that's not okay, you know? Like, I definitely don't feel like our school has made much of an effort to, to say that racism is unacceptable in every way, shape, or form because, like, I'm sure administration has heard things like people just outwardly saying the N-word when they're not black and other things that obviously point to racism, <laughs> so.
0: Our next question is kind of like, Talking about in the beginning of the movement how everyone was talking about how first you educate yourself and then you can start taking action. And it's just kind of we wanted to ask about the balance between educating yourself and taking action. So can you take it? Can you like do it at the same time? What how much education do you think you need before you can start making a difference? And like, is there ever an end to education and kind of like all that?
1: Yeah. So I think that. Everybody is constantly learning, like I'm constantly learning. I read things every day because I feel like if I'm not educated about something, then I can't share that information with other people. And as an activist, I feel like a lot of people do look to me to share that information. And I think it's really important to fact check all of the sources and information that that educators do share because... I've definitely run into some issues when I see like one of my close friends post something and I think it's reliable and I read it over and like, hmm, this looks pretty, pretty shaky. So I think it's really important for us to also um, do a lot of fact checking so that we don't turn off people who need to hear our message. And then as far as not taking any meaningful action, um, I think that you have to get to the place where personally you feel like you're ready to start taking actions. Like I do think that sharing educational resources is a form of taking action, but if you don't know enough yourself, then, um, you don't, I I don't necessarily say like you have to go be giving speeches, but you can still show up to a peaceful protest. You can, Um, you can call out something that you've learned is racist you can watch what you're saying those are all actions I mean they're not like they're not these huge you know maybe people won't say wow like I'm going to give you an award for these actions but they all count so I think like you know people just have to do everybody can do what they can and if we all collectively make those smaller efforts then it'll definitely turn into something more powerful I think
2: That makes a lot of sense. And like, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but you were talking about like sharing posts on Instagram and stuff like that. So, like, the first question I'd have for that is like, what's the best place to fact check the information? And also, like, Priya and I, when we were thinking about Instagram sharing, there's been a lot of people who have been like, oh, well, sharing things on Instagram isn't like all that effective because of your just like inherent sphere of influence and like, you know you surround yourself with people with the like same belief system as you do so like what's the point in educating right
1: so um to answer the second question first um i definitely think that it's important for us to not post things like if you are a trump supporter it, don't don't um follow my page anymore if you if you are racist get off my page whatever the only reason like i used to think that i should post things like that but over the past few months i've realized like why am i telling the people who i want to hear my message to get off my page cuz you're going to offend them and they're not going to want to listen and i've had i've had some pretty good conversations with people actually who I was maybe able to just just change their mind on one little thing and and it's just those little movements that make a difference like maybe if they had a meaningful conversation with with a black girl maybe that'll change in their mind a little bit their their vision or their perspective of of a black girl so i think it's really important that we don't write anybody off and maybe like allow like, while we don't, like, we shouldn't just stand for what they're doing and allow them to get away with any, like, blatantly or subtly racist comments, I think it's important to still, um, like, sometimes I'll hear them out so that they'll hear me out, that kind of thing. I'm sorry, and what was your first question?
2: I was gonna say, like, what would you say is, like, the most, like, not, obviously, there's multiple reliable sources, but, like, if you're to start fact-checking, like, what's the best place to start? You know, should you look at, like, news, like, outlets? Because I know, like, this is, once again, like, a little off-topic, but I've definitely realized that, like, over the course of Black Lives Matter, a lot of, like, really central media outlets often frame things in very, like, misleading ways. Um, So, like, the resources that I would heavily trust before I'm kind of like second you know having second thoughts about it because some of their phrasing and verbiage is very like inaccurate to the actual events so yeah I was going to be like where do you personally find like the information to be like the most accurate
1: I think the first place I start is just like I just read it over and then I'm like usually I can immediately tell where what the bias is because usually there's a bias But I don't my my issue comes in where there's a source that's claiming to be fact checking and unbiased. And there's clearly a bias because or even subtly a bias, because I don't believe that any like especially even even sources with like hundreds of thousands of followers will post some like a post an educational graphic. And even if I agree with the contents of that. Um, If it's saying that this is this is fact checking information, and then it clearly is like only fact checking from one side, then the people who you share that with, who need to hear that, are gonna tell are just gonna say this is completely this is completely biased. You know, this is not it's not fair to both sides. So I think there's a way to to get across your message while still while still keeping an objective lens. Unless you want to go that route and you can like opinion pieces are not a bad thing, but you just have to be upfront with what the intention is. Is it an opinion or is it just um, the fact?
0: That's really interesting because like I think I have seen people who like see a post and it's not completely true. So there's like some little thing wrong with it. And then they immediately are like, this is why I don't support this movement. Like they're trying to brainwash you or something like that and like it is important to share that information just so that people um like you kind of like ease them in like obviously like if they are being racist then it is hard to get to them but like kind of like slowly like convince them and then also it is kind of their fault because like at the same time if one person posts something that's like slightly wrong then that doesn't make the whole movement or like the whole premise of the movement incorrect i think that was a little off track actually
2: But, like, on that note, I definitely agree. Like, I think a lot of people forget that, like, Black Lives Matter isn't, like, a single person, you know, like, giving everybody the information. It's kind of like a whole group of people who acknowledge the fact that there's, like, issues in our system, you know, whether that be our legal, our, like, um, like, presidential system. Like, there's just issues everywhere. And all because one isolated incident of like a person spreading like misinformation it doesn't discredit the whole movement that doesn't even make sense
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like pretty firmly with my political beliefs but at the same time I think I have noticed like when someone from the opposing side will post something and it is incorrect I think I my mind will also go to like oh this is why I don't support this movement yes so I also do that and like I don't think my political beliefs are like wrong necessarily but like i think i understand the reason behind it
1: yes absolutely we all are going to fish for some evidence to defend ourselves right i guess it's just human nature
2: so the next thing we wanted to talk about was like how you can go about like noticing racism and then furthermore like how to confront it because you know if you are aware of it like it's also important to make sure that it doesn't happen again kind of thing. Priya and I were talking about it and also like reading some articles and we read that like, it's really important to be like non-confrontational and kind of have somebody like explain themselves into a place where they realize they're kind of being like racist or like, you know, like spreading kind of like a racist mindset
0: Yeah, the idea is, like, people will often get defensive if you just, like, call them out right away. So it's better to help them realize their actions on their own in, like, subtlety. So, like, for example, we said for, like, a racist joke, you can say, like, oh, I don't get it, can you explain it? Or something like that. Or someone will say, like, oh, you're pretty for, like, a black girl. Like, then you can be, like, "I sorry, I don't understand, explain it. And then they have to go through the process where it's, like, because I believe this stereotype, that's what makes a joke, almost – So it's like, you're not forcing them, you're not telling them like, you're being racist. But instead, it's kind of like forcing them to realize their own bias.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's a great method. Just because everybody, everybody, if they, especially in today's day and age, people will definitely get offensive. Most people will get offensive, defensive, if you try to say that they're being racist. So I think that's definitely a good idea.
0: Yeah. And then like, The slow kind of process is obviously better than no process at all. Like, I've honestly probably, like, heard a racist joke and, like, laughed it off because I didn't know what to do. I'm also trying to, like, figure this out and, like, try to figure out how to lead them into it.
2: Yeah, also I feel like sometimes confronting certain people, like, opens you up to, like, feeling, you know, uncomfortable. But, like, I feel, like, having them explain it themselves kind of, like, allows you to like not like obviously it's uncomfortable regardless but rather than being like you're wrong you can kind of like take a more passive approach that could still be as effective
0: and then like the second line of action that we thought of is to try to give another perspective so this is just like this made me uncomfortable and explain why put them in your shoes so like in the last episode kayla mentioned how people would just come up to her and touch her hair and they thought it was a compliment But at the same time, they were invading her personal space and just try to, like, make a comparison between, like, obviously if someone came up to them and, like, touched their hair or touched, like, their clothing or something, it's uncomfortable and it's unwarranted. So just making the comparison and showing them why it's not a compliment in that sense. And this is pretty much for microaggressions, I think. It's pretty effective.
1: Yes, I definitely have had plenty of experiences with people touching my hair, too, I guess they, I don't know, some people just have never felt curly hair before, but I also used to take it as a compliment, like, but it it does, it's just really, like, it's an invasion of privacy, and, and I don't mind if my friends ask me, hey, can I, like, can I touch your hair? If we're in, in a certain setting, but it's just also, like, they just have to read read the situation. But I also one time had, I was in the mall just walking, and, and this um, this white guy, like, he was at a stand in the mall selling a blow dryer. And he, like, grabbed my ponytail and was like, oh, let me fix your hair. And it was up in a – it was, like, in a ponytail curly. And he was, like, trying to straighten it. This was when I was, like, nine years old or something. But it's, like, just the, that word, like, let me fix it. Like, what's wrong with my hair? You know, nothing's wrong with it. It doesn't need to be fixed. So that was definitely – a microaggression, maybe even macroaggression at that point.
2: That's actually disturbing that he, like, first and foremost, you were, like, a child, so, like, in no way, shape, or form did he have, like, any permission to, like, a child's hair, and, like, just period, don't touch other people's hair, or, like, make them feel like, they like, there's something wrong with curly hair because there isn't. You know, like, that's just disturbing. I'm kind of speechless. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and then our last point was about being a bystander. So this is something that we were a little unsure of, but the basically the idea is that, like, you kind of need to assess the situation. So if the person who has experienced, like, the microaggression or racism feels comfortable like standing up for themselves and if they're already taking the action then there's not really a need for you to jump in and like put your own self into the situation but if they are looking if they do look uncomfortable if they look scared maybe to talk um to like stand up for themselves then you might be in a situation where you can call them out and not necessarily speak in the place of them but just speak directly to the person who made the racist comment or microaggression and tell them, like, that's not okay. Yes, I definitely think that's a great approach.
2: I feel like there's just an important, like, differentiation between, you know, representing somebody's, like, opinion without obviously, like, asking them, you know? And, like, that's the last thing we want to do is, like, oppress the voice of the people who we're trying to, like... Uplift. Support and, like, uplift. And, yeah, so, like trying to speak in their place is definitely like not the move that you should go for and like
1: yeah i think it's hard i think it's hard to know but i i think you just have to just kind of maybe put yourself in their shoes and see like if you were in that situation would you feel like the person who's trying to help you is just speaking over you cuz then that would feel really i guess it would just feel bad but I, every situation is different and like you guys said just assess every situation and see if you belong like if you belong there or not because sometimes you sometimes they just don't need help you know like
2: and then also like just thinking about it like we were talking about white savior complex and about how like with black lives matter kind of like gaining traction and becoming more like mainstream a lot of people like feel the need to like you know, like, kind of, like, educate themselves in very, like, questionable ways, I'd say. So, like, I kind of wanted to, like, just talk about that with you. Like, where is the line for when... Because I know a lot of people, like, the moment the movement started gaining, like, online traction, you know, they were, like, going to their Black friends and being like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, you know, like, explain to me, like, how it must feel. And, like, you know, I think it's important to, like, touch on... why that might not be the best approach. You yes. Know.
1: Um, well, I think the the issue is that, like, well, I feel like those people probably meant well when they were saying that, and the, people still do that, so I guess they probably do mean well. Um, it's just, it's like, it's difficult. Like, you have to put yourself in a black person's shoes. Like, you see people like you getting shot in the street for absolutely no reason, And it just, like, it it definitely kind of plays with your mind. Like, I know I took, I actually took a break from social media for about, like, two weeks because I've been posting every day, like, probably over five posts a day. Um, And then, like, about Black Lives Matter things, and I didn't realize how much of a toll it was kind of taking on my mental health because it's just a lot to constantly be taking in, because like, we're dealing with life and death. Like, this is not just a brush-off issue, so I, it really does bleed into other areas of your life, and, and it's really important for um, people, other people of color and white people to realize that like, it's just really difficult. It's a hard pill to swallow for black people to just, like. but this is something that we've been dealing with for our whole lives. And, like, all of a sudden, just coming up and asking us, oh, how do you feel? It's like, well, we've been dealing with this for our entire lives. So, you know, like.
0: Yeah, and it's also, like, a thing that's ongoing. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people who still aren't comfortable talking about it. Because it's not like it's a situation where they've dealt with the, just, like, the emotions. And it's something that they're still thinking of. So, most people, a lot of people aren't ready to talk about it. And I think, like, opening it, like, questioning them kind of opens up a can of worms sometimes.
1: I think let the Black person open up to you if they want to, rather than you asking them to open up.
2: Moving on, we were going to talk about how, like, it's important for, like, on an individual level, and kind of like a sustainability mindset, and also in the mindset to, like, promote Black businesses to start buying from, like, small Black-owned brands over you know, huge corporations. And I've also heard the argument a lot of times that people will be like, oh, well, what's the point in, like, buying from Black-owned businesses? Like, why are you specifically buying from a business because of, like, the race of the owner, you know? And I think, like, it's important to, like, touch on exactly the reason why this is, like, an important concept.
0: We said it was, like, kind of, like, reallocating money into Black communities where, like, systemically, they wouldn't be going into as much and we kind of said, like, um, either way, like, a lot of people say that we should, like, get, um, we should buy, like, the best product for the best price, you know, like, t- focus on, like, the capitalistic mindset instead of, like, what, like, who it's from. But at the same time, it's almost like the value of the product is also that it's from, like, a small business. Um, and that's, like, voting with your dollar.
1: I mean, I think it's it's an amazing thing to do to try to b- buy from small black owned businesses rather than like huge corporations. But what I always say when people ask me about that is like, do what you can, because especially for a lot of because of the socioeconomic disparity, a lot of black people um, and other people of color can't really afford to to buy, because oftentimes buying from a small business means you're going to pay a much higher price for things. So for people who do have that financial independence who can just um they like they can afford to buy a $50 shirt every time they they're going to buy new clothes, they can buy from a small black-owned business whereas, you know, people who who can't really afford something like that, then they I would encourage them to just do what they what they need to do and like don't feel guilty about it because I mean, that's a that's one of that's a result of just being a black person in in America. It's a reality for for a lot of black people that like, you know, the the money, like where is the money? Right. Not in our communities very often. So,
0: yeah, we well, first of all, we're going to link in the Google document again, some of our um, favorite businesses and we'll group them by affordability because actually in our research we did find that since it is a small business they do tend to be more expensive so we'll try to figure out what budgets like will go from least to most expensive but also it's almost like the same mindset of buying sustainability and like fast fashion where although you can spend if you can like you can spend like fifty dollars on ten t-shirts or like one t-shirt so if you do have like already a good like wardrobe per se then you don't need the extra 10 t-shirts you can instead invest in probably a higher quality version of the product that's a little bit more expensive and also just try to like slowly integrate it into your budget so that might just be buying like replacing your coffee with a small black owned business coffee brand so just like a one small step that brings you closer to buying from small businesses
2: Also, like, another point that I was going to, like, bring up is the fact that a lot of people can also, like, volunteer, you know, like, if you don't have direct money to, like, either, like, buy from Black-owned brands or also just donate to, like, bail funds and, like, Black Lives Matter, you can also just, like, join local organizations that work on, like, um, educating or, like, helping minority and black communities in their education like you know the uh younger students or you can also like volunteer at like the like food banks in order to like just kind of like give back to those who are you know
1: less advantaged
2: yeah exactly
1: yeah I think that you you don't have to not everyone has the resources to donate money so donating time is just as valuable if not more sometimes so that's definitely something that people can do
2: uh, is there any like website that you'd like? Well, not like website, but like any kind of like avenues to finding local chapters and organizations for like racial equality.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like looking at other people's um posts, because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations that are like just actually getting started right now. And, and I think it's it's easier to make an impact when they are local. So um, there's all kinds of nonprofits that people are starting. So if you look on Instagram, there's ha- you can look under hashtags. You can look under locations. And that's how you can start finding. I think right now social media is a really, really big avenue of, of educating. So that's definitely one way that you can find something to be a part of.
2: I think that's really smart. I actually... I never thought about like using social media, like the location
0: tab. Yeah. The next section that we want to talk about, and this is our last for the individual part, which is spreading awareness. So this is, for one, initiating conversations with those in your family, and especially those who have differing opinions um, from you. So I know Mickey touched upon this a little earlier, but it will take some time to get to them with information, but be patient and to like try to keep bringing it up in conversations casually and like giving them the resources that they need. I
1: think that when you're trying to educate someone, um, just talking to them in a very like down to earth tone and, and I guess not trying to just like tell them how it is, but kind of like listening and, and then speaking and just make it, I would just say make it a conversation because Obviously, some people get defensive if you think if they think that you're implying that they are being racist or something like that. And and just to also, I mean, I know I I usually am comfortable with with sharing my personal experiences with racism. There's a lot of people who aren't. So I would say if you are comfortable with sharing your personal experience as as a person of color, or if if you aren't a person of color, if you've heard experiences, then you could also share those with someone you're talking to because I think it's a lot easier to um, to understand when you have a story to go along with it.
0: I think the listening to them part is really interesting. I've never thought of that because it's like if you expect them to listen to you, then you must do the same for them. And I think in some way we've been doing that because I've been trying to consume some like um opposing side media to try to see like why people think that way and like how I can switch their mindset because you can't really do that unless you understand like what they're thinking and how that differs from you yeah I
1: absolutely agree I think that's really important to to get your news from from different from opposing sides so that you can form an opinion that is is yours and not just something that's fed to you
0: yeah
2: I was, like, actually, I forgot which news channel this was, but I was reading this article, and it was, like, an off-piece, and it was talking about how, like, well, it was essentially just, like, this um, man, and he was, like, people are getting fired for not, like, supporting Black Lives Matter, and this is, like, you know, not fair, you know? And on one hand, I was, like, you know, like, it's needed because the people who were getting fired were racist you know like Mm -hmm. he was complaining about how some people were being like fired and put on administrative leave for like doing blackface in the past you know and he was like even if people have changed you know like they're still being fired and like honestly I couldn't personally think of a rebuttal like and I think it's like a you know like I don't like I don't even know what to say to that because I personally think like it's warranted but I could like understand why that man in that situation didn't, you know? Yeah, it's just, like, learning about, you know, <laughs> like, how other people think, you know, because people don't see some things, like, the same as you kind of thing.
0: That's kind of off topic, but I feel like that's also just an interesting line between how to figure out how much people have changed. Like, obviously, like, people can change their opinion, and that's, like, obviously great. Like, if you were doing something bad in the past, now you realized it then that's change, and you shouldn't be, like, punished for it. But, like, how do you know for sure that, like, they've changed their opinion? They're not just saying that or, like, defending right. themselves. Because they could always just be trying to
1: protect their job or whatever it is, and they really still harbor those views.
0: We've talked about spreading awareness kind of like this, right? About like spheres of influence. So should we, we wanted to talk about like posting videos and stuff like that and criteria for posting information on social media. I think posting videos
1: of of black people being killed or being mistreated by the police definitely, it definitely can open people's eyes to what's happening, but at the same time, it's really like it's sometimes kind of inconsiderate to to post things like that because it does have an effect on the mental health of of a lot of black people Um, and I don't think that people mean badly when they post it obviously they're trying to do something but I think that it, it does normalize people to police brutality and just making it And I almost, I'm a little conflicted with that as well because I think it, we almost should normal, we should, we should be by now used to seeing this happen. But, but there's a line between like us being used to it and us just not taking it seriously anymore. Um, But I think if you are going to post a video, which at this point I don't recommend it. But if you are going to post a video of police brutality, then definitely put a trigger warning before the video, at least um, so that people who are very sensitive to that don't have to watch it.
2: Yeah, I think in like the case of posting videos, the cons definitely outweigh the pros, you know, because like, as you said, like a potential pro could be like, you know, having people acknowledge and be like, this is something that happens in our society. But the cons are like, you know, triggering um, somebody's like past trauma or experiences. It could be like desensitizing somebody and like having it become something that people are almost like indifferent about. Also, like being inconsiderate to the family, just like there's so much negative consequences to the potential pros that could happen from it so yeah
1: there's so many other things that you can share to try to educate people or make them know that it's real that that's just really not necessary
0: that's actually a good lead into our criteria for posting information we kind of like we were thinking about all everything you can post on social media and we're like there has to be some kind of line so just like mickey said before we said obviously add a trigger warning when it's appropriate so you can, if you're posting on, like, Instagram story or something, you can add a slide at the start saying that this is, like, the general idea of it, and then at the end be, like, this is over, like, no worries anymore, like, the topic's over, and then we also said, as before, read the entire post or thread or whatever, and make sure you fact check it before posting, Um, and then another thing we said was make sure that the information and, like, the post that you're looking at is taking the topic seriously and not just making light of like the topic because these are very serious topics and you don't want to just post like a joke about the situation even if it's bringing awareness per se it's still something that we need to address in a serious manner and then our last like criteria is that if you post about an issue you want to try to post about action you can take so it's not just like an empty post that's like this is a problem but also add like This is something you can do to it so instead of just bringing attention to the problem you're bringing attention to taking action and bringing some positive change on that problem
2: and then the last thing we wanted to talk about is like on an individual level like performative activism because i feel like often a time like some people aren't even able to like acknowledge they're being performative you you know it's just kind of like a a herd mindset in a set sense you know and like it's important to like distinguish the two so yeah I was gonna like ask you Mickey like how is it important to distinguish like performative activism from like actual activism and like if you catch yourself like being performative like how can you you know change your ways you know and like check yourself
1: yeah I think that Um, We've definitely had a big issue with performative activism in this, like, recent wave of of support for George Floyd because a lot of people saw everybody hopping on, you know, like, posting the black squares and, and things like that. And, you know, I debated whether or not to post a black square, and I did, but then I deleted it because I was like, this is doing absolutely nothing for you know for the cause like if you're i think one way to distinguish between performative and and meaningful activism is like are you suggesting something that people can can do to help like just posting a black square or posting a picture of george floyd and putting rest in peace what is that doing for you know for for the movement absolutely nothing but also, it I think like time will tell, like there's still people out there posting things, maybe not every day, some people every day, but like, you know, some, you can tell that they're being performative if, if they don't show continued support and that doesn't have to be through only social media, but you know, are they still going to protests? Are they still doing things like this podcast or, you know, things like that? then I think that can help you distinguish between someone who's just being performative and someone who really means to help and further the movement.
2: Hey guys, it's editing Allie. First off, I'm a little bit sick right now, so sorry if my voice is like a little bit raspy. Um our episode actually ran a lot longer than we thought it was going to be running. So we're gonna be splitting this episode into two parts So stay tuned for next week. We're going to be talking about, like, the local and national aspect of the movement. And, yeah, thank you so much for listening.